Easter Sunday, it's great to be together, church. Um, it's been a really busy weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Um, and we come to the pinnacle of the Christian faith. And I love this reading. I love this engagement with um, Mary and what John is trying to tell us. Um, and when I was thinking, I was trying to understand this a bit more. Um, so hopefully, when we look at the story of Mary and her encounter with Jesus, it should make a lot of sense to us. Um, there are many cultures in the world. There are many cultures. There are uh, different traditions. There are peoples, ethnicities, religions. There are different habits. From all over the world, all these different groups of people have certain things that join us all together. And one of them is the naming of a child, the naming of an individual. You see, our, our names are an incredibly important part of who we are. Our names say a lot about us. Our names, they, they carry deep personal, cultural, familial, and even historical connotations. Our name, in essence, tell us about who we are and give us a sense of the communities to whom we belong. It doesn't necessarily happen so much in the West, but if you spoke to my mom, if you speak to some of my Nigerian friends, some of my Asian friends, a lot of the time when there's a baby that's been born, when you have to name these infants, it's not just a case of one individual, but actually it's a gathering of people, there's a collective that gather to speak and name that infant. Jews traditionally believed, and probably still some do believe, that our names are not just something that we say for the fun of saying, or names are just something that we just come up, you know, whimsically. But actually, that names define us. That names given at birth are not by accident. And to an extent, names are prophetic in nature. Names are prophetic where they speak and they capture our essence as to whom that person can be. Before I was born, my, my name is Nicholas. Um, but my mum had had a pastor, and his, the name of that pastor was called Nicolas Joel. So his name was Nicholas Joel, that was his name. And she told me that she named me after the pastor. Now, I don't think she named me prophetically to think Nick is gonna be a priest or a pastor, but it happens to be I am one now. But I don't think she thought prophetically, that's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna call my son this, and he's gonna become this. But I do think that she called me Nicholas in the hopes that what she saw in that man, I could replicate in my own life. Almost in a sense of prophetically passing on something to me. And even if you look at the history of the, of the Jews, history of Israel, if you look at Jacob's and Leah's and Rachel's children, the naming of their children, the naming of Reuben, because the Lord has seen my misery, Simeon, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, or Judah, I will praise the Lord. All these names have a deep significance to it. Names are not just whimsically thought of, but actually they carry weight and they carry importance. And even though our names do carry weight and they carry importance, our names can also carry baggage. Our names can also carry the weight of our pasts. Our names can be tainted. Our name can come with things that we wish we could leave behind. But people have seen me, they know who I am and my name is tainted. If I said to you, Will Smith, your, your first thing will go to the slap at the Oscars. If I say, Prince Andrew, you think, oh, 
uh, molester. If I say, Jeffrey Amstein, your names directly go to what they've done. And so the names become tainted. And we've read in the story where we have Mary uh, running to the tomb to see the body of Jesus. And I, I just want to spend a bit of time on this, on this woman, on Mary. Now you see, Mary is someone to me who has been often mis, uh, mischaracterized. We see her in, in, in literature as a prostitute, even though we don't really get that from the scriptures. It doesn't really say she was a prostitute. But what we do read is she was a woman who was possessed by seven demons. Now, just take a moment to think about this. When we read the accounts of Jesus meeting people who were possessed with demons, you could see that they were outcasts. They live on the outskirts of town. They were not welcome into the community. It's not difficult to think about Mary in a patriarchal society as a woman who is possessed by seven demons, also who can potentially be a prostitute. It's not difficult to really see the life that Mary leads. The name calling, the belittlement, the, the dodgy looks she gets, the insults, Mary's name carries the pain and the hurt of, of, of being possessed. Mary's name carries her past with her. The abuses, the mocking, the, uh, the belittling. And I was watching um, The Chosen recently. And in The Chosen, there's a really amazing scene where Mary goes to an inn and she's having a conversation with the barkeeper and this other gentleman comes beside her and it's a discussion, she tells him to back away, to leave her alone. And he, he moves away and then Jesus comes into the, to the inn and he, he speaks to Mary, he puts his hand on her hand and Mary kind of retracts and, and another man, what does he want from me? Does he want something from me? Does he want to belittle me? Does he want to insult me? And so she leaves the inn and she walks away and Jesus follows her. And Jesus speaks to her, he calls her out and Jesus calls her by her name. Jesus calls her Mary. And at that instant, she turns around, she looks at Jesus, and she drops the mug in her hand, and she breaks into tears. Who is this man that dares to approach her? This man that dares to engage with this outcast, with this social outsider? Who is this man that sees her for who she is? He calls her Mary, and he claims her as his own, a child of God. Who is this man? This Jesus. He meets her. He sees her. He calls her Mary, and from that moment, he gives her an entire new life. Her name, that name of Mary, nothing about her past, nothing about the demons, nothing about her lifestyle, just, you are my daughter, you are my child. From that moment on, Mary followed Jesus through the rest of his ministry, and Jesus completely turned her life around. Mary encountered grace in the best aspects ever and her life took a wild turn and she lived free, free from the pains of the past, free from the name callings, free from the attachments of what uh, uh, her, her name would bring. And this is a simple but yet powerful picture of what Jesus desires from each and every single one of us, that Jesus wants to know us and he desires to know us like he knows Mary, that Jesus is calling us to be 
in an intimate place of relationship with him like he called Mary. That our past, our, our histories have no value in his kingdom. He sees us as his children. And like Mary, he calls us each by name to be children of his. From verse 11, we read that Mary stood outside the tomb. She, she, she stood outside, she's crying and she's weeping. And John makes it clear um, in verse 11, 12, 11, 13 and 15, the importance of her crying. And you see, if you understand Mary's story of the life she led, the man she encountered, the man who transformed her life to the sadness she must be feeling now because that man is now gone. The man who gave her brand new hope is now gone. The man that gave her his name, the one that made her a child of God is no more. We read that and John says, she looks into the tomb and doesn't even recognize the angels. She's looking and she's seeing these angelic beings. And she just cannot recognize them. She is so overwhelmed with grief and sorrow that she doesn't understand what's going on. They speak to her and they say, woman, why are you crying? And the only thing that Mary cares about, the only thing that she wants to see is the body of Jesus. He is still her Lord despite him being dead. And she's loyal to him. And she wants to do this one thing. She wants to anoint and she wants to, uh, uh, to bless his body because what else can she do? but this simple act of love, to demonstrate her love for Jesus, but to clean and anoint his body. What else can she do? The man who changed her life completely, what else can she do but simply that? You see in verse 14 that she has this conversation with the angels um, and she turns around and guess what? She sees Jesus right there, literally maybe two feet, I don't know, right there, she just sees her here, I'm here, and she's physically seeing Jesus, but she's so overwhelmed with grief that she doesn't even recognize the presence of Jesus in her midst. That sounds very familiar to me, I think sometimes we can all be guilty of being so overwhelmed with our own griefs and sorrows, and the very object of her, Mary's concern is right there, but she's unable to recognize him. Such is the blinding effect of her emotions. So, um, let me have a look. Who here is old enough to remember the days of landlines, the house phones? Raise your hands if you remember the days. Oh, look at that. Yeah? Well, my, my kids are like, I know it. I no, you don't know house phones. Um, who, yeah, the days of landlines. Yeah, do you, remember, do you remember landlines you plug into your house and there is no ID, uh, ID, caller ID? You know, you... When your phone rings, you just pick it up and you answer. Um, when I was younger, I was a bit naughty, right? So I would call my own house phone, knowing that my mum was in the house, and I would prank my mother. I would call her, it's terrible. I would call her and I would pretend that I'm like a distant cousin from the Ivory Coast. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm calling her, not, not about her, Justine, I'm calling her, Justine, I need your help, no, 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 no. I'm speaking French to her and she would be so upset. I could hear her downstairs. She'd be fuming on the phone and she'd be so vexed and frustrated. Even though it was me, she couldn't figure out it was me. Not because I was changing my voice or anything, but 
it was unexpected. And I would prank her and she would be so upset. But that's not the point. And then I had to apologize. But during that conversation, when I'd finished pranking and I was laughing on the other end of the phone, when I called, I said, Mum, it's me. When I said, Mum, it's me. Or Mum, she knew who it was on the phone, straight away. She recognized who was on the other line simply by me saying this three letter word, Mum. Because in that word, in that simple sentence of Mum, there is a sense of familiarity, there is a sense of relationship, there is a sense of knowing one another. That simple word, Mum, she knew that it was me, it was her son, who was being very naughty, but she recognized it was me nonetheless. She knew my voice at that time, and I knew hers. This is what happened when Jesus encountered Mary. She knew his voice. She knew his voice, but in that moment when she saw caught up in her emotions, she's struggling to figure out who this Jesus is. It's easy to recognize the voice of someone when all is well and good, but what about when you are in distress and something has gone terribly wrong? Science speaks a lot about how our emotional states change when we are in a deep state of sorrow, how our emotional well-being is affected by uh, an event in our lives. And actually some of these events can also therefore change our perception of how we see things or how we look at the world. Sometimes when people have bad news, they, they will keep their heads down and, and they will just walk as if, just, 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 just walking around and you see it all the time. What happens to us when we are in such places of deep emotional distress? They affect our perception and they affect the way we see the world and the way we see things. Mary is in this exact situation. She is so overwhelmed at the death of Jesus that her perception is blurred. She cannot see Jesus even though he is standing right in front of her. And I think I will say that's quite true for some of us as well, where sometimes life can come at us so hard, it can be so difficult, that we can be um, completely blind that Jesus is walking with us in those painful moments. Mary is caught up in her emotions and her feelings and the depth and the pain that she's not seeing that the one who gave her life isn't dead, he rose from the dead. The one who gave her hope isn't dead, he's right there standing in front of her. The one who called her by name, the one who gave her his own name, who called her a child of God, he's not dead, but he's right there. And it's the same for us. Jesus is always wanting and always trying to get our attention. Jesus is always trying to get to know us and wants us to know him in return. And it's in verse 16 where Kind of, it really kind of climaxes to that point. Jesus simply says to her, Mary. He calls her by that name that she's so, so aware of. And she recognizes his voice. And at that moment, the scales from her eyes, her ears are open, and she sees her Savior right there in front of her. And she falls down, and she calls him a bonai, and she wants to hug and kiss him and just hold him. Jesus is not dead, but is risen and is alive. And so all the hopes that Jesus gave her are not gone, but they continue. They continue through eternity. 
Mary and her encounter with Jesus gives a hope for a future that Jesus will always be with her no matter what. Jesus has conquered death, the final enemy, and nothing can stand in his way. The resurrection of Jesus is the triumph over death and the triumph over sin, that death is beaten, sin is no more, well, it's not as normal that death is beaten. And because of Jesus, those who believe in him can have and will have eternal life. This resurrection here in this encounter, this story of Mary, gives Mary the chance to live and experience the life that Jesus desires, not just for her, but for each and every single one of us, a life where we are his children, a life where we are brought into his kingdom, where we are brought into his home. This event brings about new life, it gives us new beginning, new hope, a new chance. This is why the resurrection is good news. Because in Jesus, we have all these things. We have a new hope in life. We have a new tomorrow, a new future. And our names, the past that we carry is no more. And we are called children of God, heirs of the Most High. This is what Jesus offers not only to Mary, but to all those who will believe. And as I kind of finish, the question I was really trying to think about and kind of end on is this, are we hearing Jesus call our names or are we too busy to listen to him? Are we too busy to listen to his call? Are we too busy to listen to him calling us by name, calling us into his family? Or do we have just too much going on and think that Jesus isn't worthy of our time? The interesting thing is you may know of Jesus, you may know of his name, but do you truly know him? Like you know, you may know a celebrity's name, but do they actually know you? Jesus wants to know each and every single one of us. And that Mary Jesus is calling us into his family right now to be part of his glorious family family full of hope, of love, new chances and new beginnings. So let me pray for us as the band makes their way up. And before that we are going to, before the band sort of um, plays worship, we're going to come to this table where this table signifies not only this, but the, the body of Christ broken and the blood pulled out. Why? Again, that same concept so that we could have eternity with him, that Christ died on the cross, bled on the cross, so that we could have access to him and the Father. This is what Jesus has done for us. So Father, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to live and die and rose again and will come again. And we just pray that as Jesus desires to know us and he still calls us by name that we will be able to hear his call. He will put aside all things that will tend to separate us that will stop us from hearing the call of Jesus in our lives. That name, that simple name of Mary. Lord, I pray that each and every single one of us are called by Jesus. We are all able to hear 
his voice, hear him calling us home into his family. Amen.